we are repentant. We are grateful. We are redeemed. We are prayerful. We are First Baptist Church. Good morning. I'm Pastor Danny. I have the privilege of being the preaching pastor in Lagos out of the First Baptist family, and it is really good uh, to be with you. If you are new, let me say again, welcome. We're so glad you're here. We really want to know that you are worshiping with us today, whether you're in the room or in your home watching online. Um, we want to know that you're with us. If you could go to fbcsa.org connect that's just a simple, immediate way that you can just say, hey, I'm here with you today, and we can make contact with you at a later time. And so this wonderful little video is absolutely right. We're about to embark on a remarkable journey together. We're starting a brand new Reverse series over the course of the next 13 weeks, and Reverse is a system of reading and meditating on the Scriptures in our church family that binds us together. And so over the next 13 weeks, we are challenging everyone in our church family to read Mark chapters 1 through 3. And we're actually going to tell you which verses to read every day. And you're going to read that on your own, and then we invite you into small group Bible study, whether, that, whether that's on Sunday morning at 9.30 or another time where you meet with a small group. We're asking for you to get with people and talk about the scriptures that you're reading from Mark chapters 1 through 3. And then lastly, when you gather for worship, you get to hear preaching from that same passage that you've already been reading every week. Um, that you've already been talking about with your brothers and sisters in Christ and now challenged um, in preaching on Sunday morning in worship. It's a delightful system, if we can call it that, to be a part of as a church family, and I pray that you're doing that. And so if you're new, dive in to Reverse with us. And so today, uh, we are in chapter 1, verses 1 through Eight of, of this gospel. Now, um, now, Pastor Jimmy said I was going to be preaching about John the Baptist. Um, I'm actually just going to stay in verse 1. Is that okay with y'all? I'm just going to stay in verse 1, just verse 1 this morning. But before we get there, let me just say a few things about the gospel of Mark. So Mark is the first gospel that is written. Most scholars across the board would agree that Mark was written before any of the other gospels were written. In fact, uh, Matthew and Luke, if you're familiar with the gospels, Matthew and 
uh, Luke relied heavily on the gospel of Mark as a source for their own gospels. Uh, We know it was written by John Mark. He became Peter's protege, his apprentice, so to speak. It was the very same John Mark that created this huge rift between Peter and Barnabas. Remember that? And I mean, Paul and Barnabas, Paul was like, I don't want him on the missionary journey with us anymore. He was irresponsible. He chose to leave us. Um, And so uh, that created a rift between Paul and Barnabas. But it was also the same John Mark that later Paul would say, this man is invaluable. Send him to me. Send him to me. It's the very same John Mark. Um, It's also interesting to note that this gospel was handed to the church in Rome or mostly Gentile believers in Rome initially after most, if not all, of Paul's letters had already been written. Isn't that pretty interesting? When we have the New Testament in our hands, it begins with Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And some of us just kind of think, well, those had to be written first, right? They're telling the life of Jesus, right? It's kind of the foundation of the gospel that is the gospel. And and later the epistles were written. Not so. In church history, we know that Paul wrote most of his stuff. And then, probably between A.D. 60 and 65, somewhere in there, John Mark, protege of Peter, sought to capture, being led by the Spirit of God, capture the stories and teachings of Peter that had been handed down to him from Jesus himself. It's the same very uh, John Mark. Y'all remember the story of, of Peter when he was imprisoned and then the angel freed him and Peter went to that house? That was John Mark's house. That was John Mark's house where all those believers were gathering and praying for Peter. So uh, John Mark uh, has this long heritage of knowing the apostles, being on missionary journeys, and then finally being this protege to Peter where he has been inspired by the Spirit of God and giving the honor to write the very first gospel message written down on paper to Gentile believers mostly. And so we're just called to look at three chapters over the course of 13 weeks, which is kind of nice. We get to look at every single one of those verses. So that's all, just 13 chapters of Mark. And there are three major themes that we're going to dive in and out of that I'll be pointing to throughout the next 13 weeks. And here it is. We're going to be looking at the person of Jesus as Mark describes Christ. We're going to be looking at the mission of Jesus And finally, we're going to be looking at the methods of Jesus. And all of that, uh, we can kind of see even in these first three chapters. So just listen and watch for those over the course of the next few weeks. All right, with all that said, let's stand together, and we're going to read verses 1 through 8 together. Jesus is the good news about Jesus the Messiah. Sorry about that the Son of God, it began just as the prophet Isaiah had written. Look, I am sending my messenger ahead of you, and he will prepare your way. He is a voice shouting in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord's coming. Clear the road for him. This messenger was John the Baptist. 
He was in the wilderness and preached that people should be baptized to show that they had repented of their sins and turned to God to be forgiven. All of Judea, including all the people of Jerusalem, went out to see and hear John. And when they confessed their sins, he baptized them in the Jordan River. His clothes were woven from coarse camel hair, and he wore a leather belt around his waist, for he ate locusts and wild honey. John announced, someone is coming soon who is greater than I am, so much greater that I am not even worthy to stoop down like a slave and untie the straps of his sandals. I baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. You may be seated. Let's pray. Father, we pray that you just bless our time together in your word. May it resonate with us. Uh, May it fill us with joy and delight as we think once again about Jesus. And may we respond in Jesus' name we pray and all God's people said, amen. So Mark is a gospel. It's not a biography. It's not a chronicle of history like a historical textbook or a textbook on history. Uh, Mark as a gospel is a proclamation It is a declaration for us. It is a royal edict, so to speak, that has been taken and delivered across the land. It's the angels we have heard on high, written in tangible form. It's a declaration put on paper. You remember in American Revolution mythology, that tell about Paul Revere, that he, among a few others, traversed across the land because they had received word that the British were coming. Although that's not exactly what he said. He didn't herald it out loud, but he went from place to place, town to town, garrison to garrison, and as secretly as possible, he spread and proclaimed the news that the British were coming. It's kind of like that. It's kind of like that. It's that herald, that declaration that something is about to happen, that something is about to happen. And that's the connotation that we have in verse 1. In verse 1 it says, and I'm reading from the ESV, it says, the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. That proclamation is kind of like that, that American Revolution statement, the British are coming, and it changed everything. It changed everything in that moment. It was a tiding that moved people to take action. And so here we have the beginning in verse 1. Mark is acting as the king's herald, proclaiming that everything has changed and is about to change. This is the beginning of something brand new. It's a new error. It's life-altering. It's, in fact, the old is gone and the new has come. This is the proclamation that Mark is making in this written-down gospel. It's a paradigm shift. It's a tear in the fabric of space and time kind of change that no one can walk away from. It's a new perspective, a new way of seeing and believing and living. 
And even with this very word that we have at the beginning of this word, the, the verse, the beginning, Mark seeks to take us back where? To Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, in the beginning. Mark is communicating through this gospel proclamation that God is up to something. God doesn't wait for man. He takes the initiative. And in Genesis 1, he took the initiative to create and to bring glory to himself through all of creation. And now Mark is saying once again, God is taking the initiative. It is the beginning of a brand new day. A declaration. A tiding. And in that word, the beginning, even in Genesis 1-1, and even now it is loaded theologically that declares God is the great initiator. And here in Mark verse 1, verse 1, it's no different. Just as weighty, just as weighty that God is up to something. He has done something. And it changes everything. Mark is proclaiming that this is the beginning of something new. And of course, then Mark moves on. He says, this is the beginning of the gospel. This is the beginning of the gospel, and this gospel is good news. That's literally what it means. Evangelion, we know that that word, gospel, literally means good news or good tidings. That's what Mark hoped to bring, that this gospel is intended to bring good news, good news. At the time, in the ancient world and even before, this word, gospel, referred to something that was never really written down. And this is probably one of the first places that we have the gospel written. And I'm not talking about the gospel of Jesus. I'm just talking about the gospel in general. This is not Christians didn't come up with the word gospel. It had been around a very, very long time. The world was full of different kind of evangelists or those who would proclaim the gospel. But this is the first time that it was written down. But before then, the gospel was always associated with a message given to a messenger to point people to an historical situation that would change everything kind of going back to what we just said. A scholar wrote it like this, that the gospel was never associated with a written document, but it was a living word of hope from the lips of an appointed messenger. And as I said, this isn't new to Christianity. The essential role of the evangelists in the ancient world was to proclaim that historical event. There are even Roman Evangelist, and we know that there were those proclaiming the gospel or proclamation about Augustine. Now, you know, Augustine was the first emperor of Rome, um, and there is a little inscription on a calendar around 9 BC that says this. Now, notice the wording it says, The birthday of the God, lowercase g, was for the world the beginning of of joyful tidings which have been proclaimed on his account. Ancient world gospel about Augustine. And yet here we find in verse 1 that Mark's gospel in verse 1 is declaring a greater kingdom, 
a greater peace, even more monumental than the, than the birthday of Augustine, who brought in the longest period of heat peace in the Roman Empire and saw its expansion. It's almost as if Mark is saying, I'm putting the world on notice that a greater change, a greater peace, a greater kingdom, a greater emperor has arrived. And not only, we also happen to know that the Roman church was in desperate need of that kind of good news. They had heard the stories about Jesus. They had been under the teachings of Peter. They had heard the words of Jesus through Peter. But during this period of history, Nero had come into power, and it wasn't long before the Christians in the church in Rome, among other places, were beginning to experience the heat of persecution once again. And Mark is able to put these words, this gospel on paper for such a time as this. To hand it to that church among other churches. They were in desperate need of the reminder of good news in Jesus. To cling to Jesus. To look at Jesus once again. Don't lose sight on the greater kingdom that has emancipated all of us into his kingdom. And so Mark wrote this gospel, and the first readers of this gospel, he would say, this is for you right now. I've captured uh, the life and some of the words of Jesus handed down to me from Peter. Hold on to the life of Jesus, the Son of God. He is greater than anything you'll face in this world. This is good news. This is my proclamation to you, church. And he says the same thing to us today. I've written this for you for such a time as this. The beginning of the gospel. Jesus, the Son of God. And then that last phrase that we have in verse 1. Mark declares to us his object of this good news. Of course, we know it. He says, this good news, Jesus, the Son of God. So Mark reveals to us the very purpose of his proclamation, his declaration, the very purpose of these tidings. He says, Jesus as the Son of God. Jesus is the Son of God. In fact, we can see throughout this, this gospel, this first gospel ever, ever given to the church, um, we see that over and over again that Mark brings us back to that one major theme that Jesus is the Son of God. Jesus is the Christ. Jesus is the Messiah. You go to Mark chapter 8, verse 29. What did Jesus say? Who do people say that I am? And finally, Peter says... You are the Christ. You are the Christ. From verse 1 to 8, 29, and then near the end in verse chapter 15, verse 39. You remember this? Uh, Jesus was on the cross. The sky had darkened. Um, 
And the centurion looks up at Jesus and all the events that have just happened and the words that he heard Jesus say, and he says, truly, this man was the Son of God. The proclamation of Mark is clear. He's saying, I I have good news to share to you, and it's revolutionary kind of news. It's world-changing kind of news. It's new error-ushering kind of news. It's life-changing kind of news, and it's good news. And this good news is that Jesus is the Son of God, and we see that echo throughout Mark. Mark lets us know in the later verses of Mark chapter 1, verses 2 through 8, that this declaration of the nature and person of Jesus didn't happen in a vacuum, right? It's why we have the voice and the words of the prophets, both of Malachi and Isaiah, right there in verse 2. It's why we have um, the little biography and message of John the Baptist Mark is reminding us once again, he's reminding these Gentile believers that the coming of Jesus, the Son of God, did not happen in a vacuum. It was proclaimed well before his arrival that the Messiah would come, and this Messiah would be the Son of God. The prophets declared that, and the prophets even declared that there would be one coming in advance of Jesus. And and Mark is saying that man was John the Baptist. He was making the paths straight, that he would point to Jesus, the Son, not in a vacuum. And Mark alludes to what Jesus will accomplish as the Son, because who He is as a person, because of who He is as a person, He will do what no other one could do, no other emperor, no other historical figure can do or can, not the law, not the prophets, not an earthly king or emperor, Jesus, the Son of God alone will accomplish what he is able to accomplish. That's why John would say, you know the baptism that I've been performing and calling you to repentance to turn back to God, this is only a shadow of what Jesus can do. I've been baptizing with water, but Jesus the Son will baptize you in the Holy Spirit. That's Mark 1.1. That Jesus the Son is good news. That he's going to accomplish something that no one else can accomplish. And that truth of the person of Jesus changes everything. It changes human history, and it changes individual lives if we reckon with that truth about the nature of the person of Jesus, the Son of God, God with us. And Mark was saying this is the beginning of something new, a recreative initiative of the same God that created the heavens and the earth so long ago, and it is good news to us. Now, all of this sounds pretty mundane, doesn't it? Not mundane because those words aren't startling, but mundane because we've heard them most of our life. Jesus, the Son of God. Even those of you who may not believe in Jesus as the Son have heard it some of your life. 
and those words now kind of fall on us, and we can feel like they're just mundane words, simple words. So the question is not whether or not do we know this good news, for many of you do. Have you heard about Jesus the Son, for many of you do. The question for us is, do we believe the proclamation of Mark? Do we believe him? Do we believe him? It's the kind of good news that, that moves us to respond one way or another. When Paul Revere and others went around the countryside to inform secretively, get ready, the British are coming. What did the news inspire? Action. Immediate response. Get the men together. Get the muskets ready. We have to act. We have to respond. Or when those angels that we have heard on high, when they came to the shepherds in that field at night and they said, we bring you good news, good tidings of great joy today, right where you are, a Savior is born. What do they do? Immediately they say, we're going to go find that Jesus. We're going to go find that Son of God, the Messiah. That's the question for us. Many of you have heard or read Mark 1.1 for a lot of your life, if not all of your life. The question for us is, will we act in accordance to this good news message, to this gospel message? Will we respond? Will we act to the person? Ever since the proclamation of Jesus from the very beginning People have sought to make little of Jesus, change Jesus, walk away from Jesus, or hate Jesus. What will we do? Will we love Jesus? Will we believe Jesus? Will we recognize the significance and weightiness of who he is as a person? Jesus, the Son of God. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for these handful of words, uh, this proclamation, this declaration that Mark handed to the church so long ago and that we read today. That you sent your son, Jesus, and that is good news, and it's the kind of good news that changes everything ushers in a new age and solicits from us a response. Help us to respond to your son with love and affection and action and obedience. In Jesus' name we pray and all God's people said, First Baptist Church has been broadcasting its services of new life and historic faith for 46 years. We would like to ask that you continue to pray with us for this ministry and also for your financial support so that we can continue this ministry for years to come. Thank you.